Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett and I'm here with Jimmy Duresta and David Picciuto. And before we get rolling, I want to ask you that if you listen to the episode to the podcast on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a review and a rating over there. That helps because it helps move it up the charts, makes it um, more available for people, gets it in front of more ears, and that helps us out a lot. So um, if you like the show, or even if you don't, go over there and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of it. And um, you can always also give us feedback um, on Twitter at Making It Podcast. We love to hear that stuff. That's pretty awesome. So we're going to get rolling tonight, and we're going to talk about what we're working on. David, what are you doing? Um, not a whole lot of shop time this week. I uh, I just put out a April Fool's video. You may have seen it. I took <laughs> I took a Mickey Mantle, not his rookie card, but the second year, and uh, <laughs> used some spray adhesive, mounted it to a piece of walnut, and then put epoxy over top of it, and. Uh, as Jimmy would call them, the baseball card nerds exploded uh, on that. Most, <laughs> most that was of, so good. Yeah, thank you. Most of the people got it. Most of the people knew that it was an April Fool's joke, but some people were like, you are an idiot. And I like that. I like to stir things up a little bit. Uh, so that was fun. And uh, I, It was funny. I, I saw it. I was like, I go, he. He's got to know that that's worth money. He's got to know. And then I texted you, right? I texted you. All I wrote to you was, is it real? Yeah, I printed it off the internet. So <laughs> I, I, I did things to like, I, I, I tried just tried to be really dumb about the whole situation. Like, oh, my dad gave me this box of stuff from when he was a kid. And I pulled out some old 45s and some records and AM radios. And there's some baseball I cards. I listened to Led Zeppelin. I thought that was cool. <laughs> and, uh. And so I, I, I was like, okay, don't do the rookie year card because that's just going to be too obvious. So mm. I, I did, I did the second year, and I found like a high res image of the front and back and printed it out, and it, w- it was fun. I was laughing at myself the whole time, and and uh, it, it it went over well. So awesome. But uh, other than that, not a, not a whole lot going on in the shop. Just catching up on some other commitments. So how about you guys? Uh, well, it's this is Jimmy speaking. I uh, I had such a, I had such a busy week since we taped our last podcast. It's crazy. I literally I started six movies this week. Whoa. I am working on six different movies because I had a couple of rush jobs that I needed to complete, um, which are still in process. But I was like, these are too cool of a job to just not videotape. So I'm I'm rushing to get these couple. I'm making a sign all out of steel, cut on the bandsaw, and uh, I'm doing a chainsaw project for another client and um, uh, I'm doing the beer caddy which is which is uh, looking good been appearing. thank you thank you it's appearing on um, uh, Instagram and I gotta get that movie up by uh, April 7th before beer week these guys uh, invited me to make this thing for beer week whatever the hell that is David I tried it, to get you sucked into it, that it, uh, it, beer week is actually 52 weeks of the year <laughs> I have no idea what beer week is. I just I yeah, celebrate no, it's, it constantly. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's a promotional thing that these guys invited me to be a part of. And uh yeah, and then the distillery model which uh is is moving along. I put up some pictures last week but then I took them down because the client asked me not to show their competition too soon what I'm working uh, on. So yep. I I just out of respect to them I'm I'm going to kind of hold off on the really cool juicy pictures to just the details. And um yeah, that's it. Just uh, killing it. We have the house open upstate, so I've been going upstate each weekend, getting the house prepared for uh, the potential renters, and then also, you know, they're still doing the legwork for our potential building, 
which involves trying to raise a bunch of money, so which is going to be part of the action figure thing, which is still slowly inching along. So that's it, just kicking ass and working names. <laughs> any any movement on the uh, action figure stuff, or is it still just kind of in the? Uh, well, I tweeted. Uh, Carlos Lopez is uh, is is the point man on that. He owns the company Toybacker, and and he actually told me if anybody, uh, if there's any action figure nerds out there, and I mean that affectionately. Um, know who the four horsemen are. They are the guys that worked for McFarlane for many years and they, they started their own company about, uh, I guess about 10 years ago, maybe longer. And they now are like premier action figure sculptors in, hmm. the, in the United States and the world apparently. And anyway, the four horsemen are in the process of making the action figure. I haven't Ooh. seen it yet. It's wow. really going to be a resin cast, so it's going to be more of a collectible and not necessarily a, like an articulated figure, and that's just a matter of cost. Uh, but Carlos said that they started it, so he said as soon as he's going to be feeding me pictures. So for them to do a sculpt, you know, just as a as a come on, is uh, you know really not a big thing, and you know they're all confident that we'll at least make enough money for them to pay for their sculpt, which you know is going to be, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. So and so you know, if we don't make past that, how are they? Are they are they just pulling images from the internet? Or are you going and posing and taking photos of you? How does this work? Uh, that's interesting. Well, they've been watching my videos, and the great thing about it is, uh, according to Carlos, I haven't had a chance to speak to anybody at the Full Horseman, but Carlos told me that this they're like falling in love with my videos and they're like obsessive about it, which is really nice to hear. And so they're looking at all the little accoutrements and stuff that they could add to this thing. And then uh, Carlos came over and took a bunch of pictures of me in the shop. Hmm. So we have that, you know, with some of the props that are laying around, like the the saw with the with the hole in it, with the blade cut out of it, and then um, the silver hatchet and some other stuff. So it's gonna, from what I've seen of these guys, I'm sure it's gonna look very, it's gonna look exactly like what I wish I looked like, <laughs> <laughs> which is in shape and muscular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I don't know. Little, little. I've been going to the gym every morning, by the way. So I'm trying to. Lose that summer twenty. I mean, working, that into your, working into your action figure figure. Yeah, I'm just trying. To, I'm trying to get back uh, to my uh, back onto the two hundred mark. <laughs> I'm just over now, so I'm trying to get back under. Today Excuse for me, me started. Um, uh, there's a challenge: thirty days of biking in the month of April, and so it's just oh, cool. getting on your bike every day for the month of April. So day mm -hmm. one, I only went two miles, but uh, it was we're going to start slow and then. Work our yeah. way up to a few more miles every day. So I've been doing the bicycle every morning at the gym. That's, nice. that's what I've been doing. So nice. you look yeah. good. Thank you, thank you. I feel fat, but thank you, <laughs> Bob. You also <laughs> look good. What are you working on? Oh, thank you. Um, I I run, but I don't ever ride my bike. But yeah, I run a lot. Um, so working on. I don't know. I'm not actually working on a whole lot. I've been kind of distracted with non shop stuff lately. I actually did a bunch of work on my website for the last few days, which was uh, took a lot of attention, but. Today, I um, actually did my first bow tie, um, trying to fix a crack in some wood, in a slab that um, Matt Cremona gave me. And that's gonna, that slab is going to be a part of an upcoming project, so I'm trying to prepare it by fixing the bow tie. Ex explain uh, to somebody who doesn't know what a bow tie is and, and why you would put it in a slab. Okay, well, I may not have a good explanation because I really don't know anything about it, but I'll try. So there's the slab that has a big crack coming from one end toward the center. And if you let that go, over time, the crack's just going to get longer and deeper and wider mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I um, used a clamp to clamp these, this gap back as small as I could get it. And then 
drew in the shape of a bow tie that crosses that gap. And then you cut a piece of wood or steel or whatever you want to use. You mortise out the area um, and then push this bowtie-shaped thing that you make down into the hole. And that holds it so that it doesn't end up splitting. So I've never done anything like that. And I didn't really like research it, which I probably should have like looked into how people actually do this. I just kind of was like, yeah, I'll cut some wood into a bow tie and then I'll cut that shape and then stick it in there and see how it goes. It actually I'm, went all right. So. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, like that's you didn't need to research it. That's all you did. Except um, the one time I've done it, I didn't clamp the crack back together. I just left it where it was and mm. let that split be part of the the design and then put the, the bow tie in there, which I didn't cut very well like there was gaps in there yeah. um but i could do it i know i could do it so much better the second time around so yeah i think if i had a decent set of chisels i probably could have done a lot better i mean i'm working on like harbor freight chisels from you know t- 15 years ago that i've sharpened myself and i know nothing about sharpening so there's a lot of you know points of failure there in what i was using but you know it i think it worked out all right cool. so and the, and my gap isn't fully closed like that either there's still a crack but it's about half the size of what it was before. So, mm-hmm. but. yeah, the um, having sharp chisels is is makes doing fine woodwork so much easier. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's something I don't use very yeah. often, so it's like hard for me to justify. You know, I don't want to go spend a whole bunch of money on chisels that I probably won't really use very often. So, well, you know, if you get that sharpening system that I showed in that one video, uh, I mean, I know that's a bit pricey, but apparently the one I bought I think is about $300, but there's a couple of uh, off brands of the same system. Hmm. And I'm sure they work the same because all you need is a spinning plate and a good rest, a tool rest, and you get a perfect bevel. And that's, you know, that's the uh, the key to getting a sharp chisel is a, is a bevel and then a micro bevel, which gives it that little sharp and then a buffing wheel at the end. That'll get you a really nice razor sharp, consistent. You know, you can't really put a chisel or a, or a hand plane knife to to a grinder. Mm. You know, you'll you'll destroy it unless you're really confident with what you're doing. So you need like even a whetstone. It, the whetstone has to be dressed well, and you know. So I, I really am a big advocate of that plate thing. My whole life changed. <laughs> My whole chisel life changed when I got one of those sharpening systems. So huh. and Jimmy, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the difference between a cheap chisel and a sharp chisel is the uh, the compound of, of of the metal that's used so you can still get mm-hmm. a cheap chisel really sharp it just doesn't stay sharp as long as like a lee nielsen or or whatever they the uh, higher yeah you know steel. like the definitely the quality of the steel is definitely uh, important but with this sharpening system i've gotten just typical reg- regular stanley chisels extremely sharp like sharp as like whoa i'm surprised i got it that sharp hmm. you know like, you know, a, a good test for a really sharp chisel is just cutting end grain, you know, the end grain of end grain of hardwood and then the end grain of softwood. If you can really like like paper shave like the end grain of softwood, because that always just crushes under a, sh- a dull chisel. So, you know, if, if you could cut past it before it gives up under its own cellular structure, um, you have a really sharp chisel. And so, again, mm. that, that system just is, it helps you get a really nice, perfect bevel on there. Because you know, you're, you're resting the tool and you're not changing it. When you're doing it by hand, your hand is kind of wivering and waving around, and you're not getting a consistent sharp bevel. I, I personally went from a whetstone system to the work sharp system, and for mm-hmm. me, that that's perfect. It was a couple hundred bucks for this machine; it's perfect. 
bubble. Is that, the, is that the type of thing that I was describing? Is the same thing? I, right? I believe so. I, I'm I'm not 100 positive, but is it like a? It's like sharpening your your chisel on a record player. Is it like yeah, that? Yep. 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 So you can do the same that. system. Yeah, you can flatten the back, and then and then there's a a, a place for to put the chisel to get the, the correct. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, I highly advocate anybody who having, who's having, I recommend anybody that's having chisel problems get one of those. I've said it before and I've said it in a few comments. Mm. I, so. Before we move on, I want to ask David, and they're not like a sponsor or anything, anybody, but just something he might be able to share some insight on. I recently got the Incra box joint jig thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I know you've had that and had yeah. some experience with it. So I haven't set it up or anything. Do you have any tips or experience that you should pass yeah it's um it's it's one of those things you don't understand how to use it right out of the box and but they have a great dvd in there you watch the dvd you just follow step by step how to set it up and then once you're set up with your table saw you're good to go and it's really easy to use from there it's kind of you know it's it's another jig that you can make on your own but the great thing about this jig is you can do different size fingers Mm -hmm. and it it just really it works really well. Some people might think it's a little pricey, but for me, I don't like making jigs. I'd rather make actual items, and so it was just a great investment for me, and and I I love it. So I've I've made the one that actually I saw when Jimmy did it a long time ago, um, with the little key, you know, and you just use that to move it mm-hmm. over. And I've used that successfully uh, with a dado blade. And then when I got the saw stop, you to use a dado. With yeah. the saw stop, you have to get a separate break, which is like $80. Yep. You have yeah. to have a larger data set than I have. I have like six inch, you have to have eight inch. And you have to buy another throat plate. So those three things together, that's like $240 or something crazy like that. And just to be able to to do finger joints. And that's and then you still have to make the jig. And then I was like, well, this jig that I know David got, I won't have to buy any of that stuff and I can have more options as far as yeah. finger lo- joint size. And I all. love the saw stop. I just really <clears throat> wish, and some people are going to say, well, just turn the brake off. You cannot turn the brake. You can turn the brake off for cuts, but the but the brake still has to be in there. And so um, when you put in that uh, the, the, the dado set, when you buy the dado set and you install it in the saw stop, it's smaller than a normal size blade. And so the saw says, hey, I don't recognize the the brake doesn't recognize the blade. You cannot make a cut, so you can't even turn the saw on. So, like, there's no way to completely bypass the brake because you bought a smaller dado set. And I just wish Saw Stop would make a little switch to say completely disable the brake so I can make this this one thing. But they don't. Yeah. And I guess so. I went out. And I bought I bought the dado brake, and it was sixty eighty bucks or whatever. And I'm I'm safer for it, but it's I don't use my dado set that much. Yeah. So just buy a saw on Craigslist as a dedicated dado set. Well, that's what I was <laughs> gonna say. Yeah, you can probably spend the same amount of money on like a cheap little, you know, table saw with like no wings or no anything and just yeah. use it for dados. Most people are probably like me and do not have any more room in their shop. So well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I don't have any more room either, but yep. Cool. So um I'm going to introduce the the concept this week. I'm not exactly sure where the concept came from. Uh, maybe somebody can enlighten uh, the listeners. But it, I like the idea because it, it helps 
uh, invoke an inventive discussion, which we're about to have. And the concept this week is if we were stuck on an island or stuck stranded in a, in a situation where you have no electricity, right, guys? Yes. So that's, that's part of the rules. No electricity and uh, no internet. Oh, no electricity. Okay, this changes <laughs> well, no inter- well, I don't know. We can figure out the rules. <laughs> uh, maybe you have a generator, maybe. If your plane crashed with a working generator beside you on the ground, you wake up in the sandy shoreline and there's a generator beside you, then that's your good fortune. But the idea is, what three tools would you have with you to help start a new civilization? Okay, so I actually just figured out, this was my idea, and I actually just figured out where it came from. We watched Swiss Family Robinson a couple weeks ah, ago with my kids. Right, right. That's where this came from. I didn't realize it until just now. But <laughs> right. so let me paint a picture for you. You are moving your entire workshop from Say one it. continent to another. <laughs> you've got it all on a boat. Say it. You're going along. The boat crashes, and you can carry three of your tools to an island nearby. So you have carry to carry on. Yeah. So you you pick <laughs> three tools. Right. And well, we can say that there's electricity. Okay. Or maybe we can have two two of these. And and the island is so beautiful that we don't want to make a boat to go back home. We're gonna stay on the island. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, because <laughs> otherwise, I'm I'm gonna pick some boat making tools, <laughs> boat making tools and I'm gonna go back home. No, I think this is one of those like you have no idea where you are. You don't know where how to how to go. To okay, anywhere. So okay, this so is I'm, like you've cried, you've crashed in the FedEx plane and yeah, pretty much. You know, and yeah. you've got food. You know, the, like the island's great. You know, there's nothing, nothing wrong there. So lobster, yeah. Hmm. So yeah. you're not like I got a, you know, I, I need a tool that I can also kill animals with or anything like that. Okay. Well, if if you have the right set of tools, you can make anything. Well, that's a good point that you would need. Yeah. Well, I I thought about this last week when we talked about it, and uh, I I have a, a, a maybe it's just a I have like a a different set of circumstances, but working in upstate New York and my I have 40 acres, it's an old horse farm, cow farm. And so uh, it was like big pastures. And so uh, in the last few years, I, I bought a quad and we've been running around the property and really getting into it. So kind of like uh, doing a lot of old physical labor and uh, you know moving cut trees and stuff. I come to realize the importance of rope, which is one of my tools, and uh, a really good axe of course, and, and just a handsaw. And I really think, and you know, a lot of, a lot of people know that I'm a big fan of Dick Pranicki or Pranicki. And, um, I'm real inspired by what he's been able to do with just a few hand tools in a bag. He gets on an airplane with a few hand tools in his bag and he, his friend drops them off in the woods and, uh, he was able to do all these things. So it's, uh, it's funny when a lot of people say, you know, oh, you know, you need this. Oh, it's great. Oh, you could do anything with fancy tools, but you don't really, all you need is a couple of sharp pieces of steel. And I think having a rope, having rope is very important and uh, being able to move heavy things and, and drag things around and, you know, use the rope to your advantage, mechanical advantage um, is also is extremely important to have. If we're talking about like setting up a new shelter and manipulating the timbers and whatever it is around you that you're going to use and turn into things. So rope, handsaw, like a, like a, I guess like a regular cross-cut saw. doesn't necessarily have to be like an old timber framing saw, but just like a, like a, a regular Stanley, like 25-inch or 30-inch saw, a hatchet or an axe rather, you know, a long-handled axe. And uh, probably an axe with, with one sledgehammer on one side, so it would have a flat back. And 
a, a hatchet head on the other side. So that would give me two tools in one. Cheater. And, Cheater. And, yeah. <laughs> and a rope. And, you know, like, you know, 100 feet of rope, one inch rope. Hmm. So, okay. So let me, this is off topic. Imagine you're in your shop in New York mm-hmm. and you have those things. Right. Not up, not upstate in the wilderness, but you're in like, you know, and you got to do a project. Could you, do you think you could actually produce, you know, a piece of work? No, obviously not tools, like a finished piece of furniture or anything, but with, with the but, tools I just described. Yeah. Uh, probably. I mean, I would need a hand plane in addition to those three things and then I could do it. Okay. <laughs> so if I had a hand plane and then a surface planer and then a thickness planer. <laughs> so just those five things. That's it. And a bandsaw and a <laughs> and a table saw and a nail gun. <laughs> but yeah, those yeah. things, that's it. Nothing else. Yeah. That's all no, maybe no, a either. drum sander. That's all I need is this lamp and honestly, those three things, the three things I describe, obviously rope really wouldn't play into really doing woodworking, but a handsaw, a hatchet, and a surface planer, I think I could probably get a lot done. When I say it, like, you know, just like a like a scrub plane or something. <laughs> or a jack plane. Really, a jack plane would be the thing to have. Like a really long, good one so you could actually make long pieces. So just that, just that. A jack plane, a handsaw, and a hatchet. Okay. And a rope. And a rope. <laughs> That's four things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then forget the rope. Oh, ooh, I'll make really? Rope. I'll make wow. rope out of a the rope was so it. important before. Now it's not. No, yeah. if you're talking about doing fine woodworking on the island. <laughs> well, I'm see, it's different. Like, are we doing fine woodworking? Like, am I building a, a chest of drawers or am no, I trying to survival, build shelters? Survival. You know, it's survival. survival. Yeah. Need my rope back. Yeah. Back. You probably, yeah. Hmm. So, okay. guys, who, who gets the stage? Who wants? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> I mean, I did not prep for this. I, 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 I so everything is, is, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes and it's, it's on the fly. So, if we have electricity or a generator or somehow, I'm going bandsaw. You can do a lot of things with a bandsaw. Um, if I had one tool in my shop, it would probably be the bandsaw. If there's no electricity, then I'm going like a big, carcass type saw where to go from there i don't know uh, um a hammer or something some sort of like handheld like i'm, I'm pounding things together but you could borrow what, my hatchet i can borrow your hat are, are we With the flat together because it's gonna be fun oh yeah we should spread <laughs> this out if we're all gonna be on the island at the same time that's nine <laughs> tools not three tools yeah i'm gonna use bob cnc <laughs> um yeah, it's a really it's a really tough question because you you have to think of like how to use the tool individually and how it complements another tool that you may have. So, hmm. um, man, I, I'm I'm really I'm really struggling with with this one. Well, right if now. I need if I had electric, and I'm thinking like kind of long term, like I don't know how far I'm going to be there, how long I'm going to be there. If I had electric, instead of in, in lieu of the bandsaw, which might sound crazy because I'm like the bandsaw guy, I would probably have a table saw to me because the table saw would probably be more useful and more durable in the long term. Because a bandsaw, I've been using the bandsaw all week making some of these signs, and then the, everything's going along swimmingly, and then boom, your bandsaw blade breaks. Yeah, oh, I, and so then what do you do? Consumables. Yeah. So a table saw blade, you know, I've been in some shops and that table saw blade should have been changed two, two three years ago. <laughs> and they go, why doesn't my table saw work that well? And the whole room fills with smoke every time I cut it. You think it's the motor? I'm like, everything you make has a burn, burn spot on it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but they still get things done. So 
Huh. I think a table saw has you know much longer shelf life uh, in in a situation like that. Well, I would take that one step further and to say that a circular saw might actually be a better option there mm-hmm. because it has the same effect. You could get all Izzy Swan on it and use that to make a table right. saw. I was actually thinking that as but well. But at oh, the I same think. time, you have you can make shorter cuts. You know, you could do yeah. A little more sculpting type stuff if you needed to make a you know a bow or you can make you can make your bamboo you can make like a bamboo crosscut sled at like bamboo tree. <laughs> oh man, that'd be awesome. Izzy, if you're listening, make a bamboo crosscut sled. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a great challenge. And it goes back to what I said way, way back uh, in the beginning of the podcast, where it's like when a friend or an ex-girlfriend says, Hey, come over, you gotta fix something. And um they're like they start explaining to me, you probably need these tools. I just say, you know, don't tell me anything. I just show up with like maybe a, a bottle of glue and a leather man. And I'm like, all right, let's just figure this out. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I said last week, I'm like, do you have a hammer? And then they'll come back with a hammer with like pink fur on the head. And I'm like, that'll do. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like Survivor Island. It's a great opportunity to try and be you ingenious and try and, you know, use the, the, what you have in your toolbox, you know, your, your, your mental toolbox. I'm yeah. going with my Leatherman as my second tool. If I that, wondered if either one of you would do yeah, that. Yeah, you, well, you just oh, reminded yeah. me. Yeah, if, if that is one tool, my bandsaw is first, if, if there's electricity, and then my Leatherman second. That's Well, actually, you know, on my, my little, you know, the Leatherman has a, a, a saw on it, like a little, it's like a jigsaw blade that kind of yeah. goes into like, a, uh, you know, the bayonet style jigsaw blade. I've actually been on a job where more than a couple of times where I'm totally stuck and the only thing I have to cut with is that little jigsaw blade that's in my Leatherman. So mm. I've literally like cut like three feet of, of three quarter inch plywood with that thing because I have no <laughs> other option. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, and the, the client's like downstairs like, is everything okay? I'm like, no, no, fine, it's fine. Because there's like a big jog in the wall that I didn't account for. And you do air so, quotes and say, I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah, no. Cutting with your- no, I, jo- I, well, my buddy, he says, he goes, you know, uh, professionalism is, you know, just covering, being able to cover your mistakes. And we talked about that, yeah. or, you know, getting better at covering your mistakes. Yeah. So that, that little, that little jigsaw on the, on the Leatherman has saved me hmm. more than a few times. I actually, I was locked out of a spot once that I needed to get into. And I used that saw to cut the striker on the, when you turn the doorknob, that thing that pulls into the door, for, the door, what is that called? I can't remember. A striker or the, uh, I don't know. You know, when, you know, when you turn the doorknob, that thing that moves out of the way so you can pull the door open. I've actually cut one of those off in brass. It was in brass and I used, it, I used the handsaw on the thing to get, I, I wasn't being held prisoner or anything, but I, I had to get into someone's storage space and the key was gone. He's like, it's gone. I have no idea how to get in here. So I used that. It took me about 20 minutes to cut through that whole, cut the whole thing off. Huh, wow. Literally, it was the width between the door jam and the door. So I just kept sawing at it, and because it, it was brass and the thing was hardened steel, the saw was hardened steel. It was able to cut through that hole. It cut the whole brass to end off of that that part of the, the lock mechanism. That's so, crazy. So right. it saved me quite a few times. And now people know how to break into places with brass door hardware. <laughs> you just yeah. you just have to know like what what metal is harder, and then that metal is going to cut the softer metal, right? Right. Yeah. That's it. You know, if you if you I, I always say if you're making if you're making flakes, you're 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 making if you're making sawdust, you're making progress. <laughs> That's a good point, Bob. Okay, so I I've stolen a little bit, but these are also kind of my ideas going into it. I think an axe it with I like your idea with the head, the sledge head on the back of it. That's pretty awesome. That um, my multi tool was going to be on my list, 
And I think also one of those metal, um, those foil blanket things. I know it doesn't sound like a tool, but if you think <laughs> about what that's, think about what that's for. Like if we're talking about survival and what you heating can, up bananas. Well, yeah, you can you can heat things up with it. You could probably start a fire with it because it can get hot enough. Like the area within it, you could probably right. use it to help start a fire. It could keep you warm. For real? You know. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's it. They, when you run races, they give you those at the end because they trap your body heat in. They don't let, you know, it's like an insulator. So that's what those are for. That's why they're in like emergency kits and cars and stuff because they keep your, your heat in. So right. anyway, I think that would be a survival thing. Maybe not a tool as much, but, you know, I think it's a flexible metal that you could probably use in lots of different ways if you needed to. But it, that, those are if we're not doing power. If we are doing power, I think the bandsaw was probably on my list. But bringing up the consumables, like the blades breaking stuff, that's a that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. So I think the uh, circular saw would definitely be a good one there. Um, other than that, I don't really know. I mean, it would be good too. Like uh, the other thing I'm thinking of is if you are on an island, let's say you know you have the uh, the opportunity of say, for instance, a shipwreck. That is there before you. You have the opportunity. You have wood. You have material. You have nails. You have things you could start to cannibalize. Mm. Other things on the island to use. You know, my friend has a place in in upstate New York, and um, my friend has a place in upstate New York. And he said, way back on like a old piece of property, he said it's just piles of junk. And he said to him, it's like the greatest resource. Some old crazy farmer or something collected all this junk and he just threw it in this one section of his property. And he's long gone. The family's gone, but nobody moved all this junk. It's old cars. He said it's old farm equipment, and it's all rusty. He says it's his greatest resource. When he needs to do something, he goes out there and he just like cuts a piece of steel off or something. Hmm. So to be able to have like a place like that to go pick fruit, you know, air quotes, you could uh, have a lot of opportunity to make new tools. Yeah, I'm I'm quite surprised that Jimmy has not brought up the ice pick yet because if we're on an <laughs> island, you can use this ice pick to break open coconuts. Um, I mean, right. Stab, stab, stab fish. Yeah, right. So I, I think uh, I think I'm going ice pick for for one of mine, and I feel like I'm stealing that from from Jimmy. No, well, to me, I, I thought like if I got to the island, I could find the I could uh, I could find some iron ore, start a nice hot fire, pound out with the back of my sledgehammer on a rock, and uh, pound out like a nice piece of sharp something or other. So you make, just like, need you need tools to make tools. That's really what the yeah, I mean, I'm joking <laughs> saying I could find iron ore, but I would definitely, uh, you know, try and figure out how to make a knife out of whatever's around because, you know, to have a knife is obviously uh, good. But, uh, you know, the good core, good core tools, I, I think I would, I would definitely, I'm still sticking with my rope, my axe, and my, uh, my crosscut saw, my little hand, hand saw, you know, 30, mm. 32 inch saw. That's pretty good. And then when I get lonely, I could use the saw to make music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice <laughs> man everybody has such great ideas I don't know I, I feel like I failed on the power tool thing I can't really think of there's got to be something no, else that would be really I, really beneficial I really have. think I you you brought up a great point I really think the circular saw is better than a table saw because you can do so much more and if you're stranded on an island, island you're going to want to take the tool to the work instead of the work mm. to the tool you know so I, mm -hmm. I because you're obviously going to have like a super long extension cord no matter what. So. <laughs> right, right, right. 
obvious. Another I, thing, I guess. My, another thing. My is dog is howling. I'm sorry. My dog is howling because this fire engine's going by. I'm sorry. Yeah, that. I'm sorry. So another thing, I guess, that would be really beneficial is um, just a drill because you know, even if you have these saws and you can cut lines and stuff, if you need to make a hole and something to you know create some plumbing or great, great plumbing. You know, I don't know if you need to get water <laughs> to drink something. Not pipe. I mean, like if you need to like. Take a bamboo shoot. That's pipe. There you go. Okay. You so, you know, I mean, if you needed to make a hole, you can't really do that with any of the saws. Really. If you needed to make a hole in the sheetrock to run electricity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, if you have to feed your extension cord through a tree or something, then you need a drill to make a hole through the tree. Well, you know what you do? You know how you make a drill? I made it when I was a kid. I mean, I never, I never had the experience of being a Boy Scout, although I, I, re- I regret that. But I did take a lot from it just you know, over the years looking and watching. Um, and I remember as a kid that you make the bowstring that wraps around the stick. You take mm-hmm. a bow, and you, if you could make twine out of something on the island, maybe a piece of your clothing, and you wrap it around a stick, you, know, you give it one twist, and then you pull the bow back and forth, and you're just making that stick spin you know, like several revolutions in one direction and back and forth and back. And you hold like a chunk of wood on one hand or, you know, half a coconut holding the end of the stick and you push that into what you're doing. You could either start a fire or drill a hole or whatever it is you're trying to do. You know, so that's just, you go, if you happen to have one of your Duresta pencils behind your ear when you're stranded, you could use that. Can I, can I take a shopsmith on the island? Yeah, sure. That's it's one tool, tool, right? But it's like yeah. a table saw, a drill, a router, well, you know, this and that. The good thing about having a shopsmith on a, on a strand, stranded on island is because you got plenty of time to turn it into one thing into the <laughs> yeah. other. I've never used one. I've only I've only seen photos of the shopsmith. Yeah, the reason there's a thousand of them on Craigslist is because they're completely useless. Because you'll use one part of the tool and go, okay, now I want to use the other part. And then you like rearrange the whole thing and use that, and you're like, okay, now I can use the other part again. Why don't I just go buy one of those and one of those and one of those and one of those? So that's why you look on Craigslist every night. There's ten shopsmiths for sale. Yeah, like I guess they would be good for like a hobbyist or something, but yeah, or like really a- really limited space, maybe something. Yeah, if it's a really tiny island, like yeah, <laughs> one of those one tree cartoon islands. <laughs> Man. This sucks. I don't want to be on that small of an island. No, that's not what we're talking about. We said this one's pretty and it has okay. food and stuff. So oh, okay, okay. That's that's the Shopsmith Island. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, uh, you guys, a lot of a lot of people know I'm a big fan of the Mighty Boosh. You guys watch the Mighty Boosh? No, no. That's a, oh, you got to watch it. There's a super funny episode where uh, um, they get stranded on an island and they're so lonely they start they make girlfriends for themselves out of like coconuts and bamboo shoots. I'm not going to say much more than that. You got to watch it. It's super, super funny. It's not, vul- it's not, I don't mean like it's, vo- it's vulgar. It's just very clever and very funny. Is this a, like a Netflix Hulu thing? Yeah. The Mighty Boosh. It's all over YouTube. It's been around. It's a oh. British, uh, it was on, it was on, okay. it, it was on uh, American TV, but it had already like run its course in, in Britain. Super funny. The Mighty Boosh. And the, so they have these like real cartoon, you know, ingenuity. It's, it's all live action, but they have like real cartoonish, um, uh, aspect to the whole show like there's mm. like all these crazy props and crazy characters and uh, the, when they're stranded on the island they uh, <laughs> the one guy's like a rock star and the other guy's an intellectual so the rock star makes girls out of coconuts and the other guy makes intellectual friends to hang out with <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, he shuns the rocks. They're like having like an intellectual conversation about like, I don't know, you know, philosophy. And uh, the rock star walks by and he, he's not, he's shunned from the meeting because he's not really that intellectual. And so then he walks by with like two coconut girls and he's like, oh wait, who are your friends? He's like, it doesn't matter. You got your, uh, your bookworms to hang out with. It's super <laughs> funny. You got to see it. So that's another interesting thing. So you're on the island, you've got your tools, whatever it was you picked, and you're surviving. So you've made it through the first season or whatever. So now you can actually start to make stuff that you want to make with your limited tools, with what's available on the island. What do you make first? Mm. Good question. Mm. Um, I, of course, they make a shelter. That, yeah, this be- is like past that. You've already got shelter. You've yeah. already, you know. I make my uh, my Fred Flintstone car. I make like my '69 Chevy Stepside out of coconut shells, and, and bamboo shoots. I'm making okay. I'm making a fish farm. I am going to build some sort of like container thing that sits out on the edge of the island that traps fish, and then I am breeding my own fish in oh, my handmade fish farm mm. for my for my Friday fish fries, <laughs> which is a- that's. Which is the thing on the island. <laughs> yeah. You and all your coconut girlfriends. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my coconut girlfriends. That's private. No, that's, that's uh, you know, actually, I just, I, I jokingly answered that I'd make a Chevy. But um, I think I would, I would probably spend more time figuring out how to make more tools, you know, just mm. uh, with, with what I had. Uh, I guess when you really don't have too much, if you don't have metal, Let's put it that way. You don't have metal. It's it's really hard to really make legitimate tools. I mean, besides wedges and levers and and pry bars and all that stuff to move things around. I mean, if if we had access to stones, be figuring out how to manipulate and move stones around to my advantage to use them for whatever. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a friend of mine has a has a funny theory. He said how human beings are basically like a virus. And when they infect a planet or 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 an island or something, you know, it just starts like borrowing in and digging and destroying. And so, you know, I would just be the virus on that island and just keep shifting things around and making it my own and keep manipulating things. And, you know, I'd have to keep busy just to keep my brain busy and uh, to not crazy. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rearrange the rocks in, in a fashion that would help, like, uh, like Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Workshop. <laughs> I think keeping your brain busy is a very important thing to do when you're yeah. on an island to to not go insane. So, Bob, what, what's the first thing you're going to make after you take care of shelter? Uh, hmm. I, I might expand the shelter past the point of like survival. You know, like big ridiculous treehouse with all sorts of swings and indoor hot tub. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> pool table made out of coconut. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would probably just want to build some structures just to have variation. You know, so that there wasn't like one little hut that you had to live in, but you had like a townhouse down by the beach and then you had like a nice place up in the trees and you know I don't know but <laughs> I definitely think you're right you would have to at least I would have to find something to be making because if I was just sitting on the island surviving I would get all Tom Hanks and go crazy and start you know being friends with the coconut mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah. so Figure yeah I don't know I mean see. like a hang glider would be cool if you could figure out how to I don't know what you would use for the sail but you could figure out how to make a hang glider. Then you could climb up to the top of the volcano, hang glide down to the beach every day. That'd be pretty awesome. So every day, every day. What else? Hang are you glide gonna... down to the indoor pool. Yeah, exactly. 
Go over to hang guy down to the fish farm for for uh, fish fry Fridays. <laughs> David's place. <laughs> Man, I hope our islands are close enough where we can visit each other every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do a well, podcast that, that, smoke singles. Yeah, well, that could be a goal. We could do zip lines from island to island. Oh man, my <laughs> wife has been trying to get me to zip line for four years now. I've never done it. So <laughs> I have a zip line in my backyard that the it's like fourteen feet tall. So you can come do that anytime you want to. And it's awesome. You have a great scary. video on on building that zip line, right? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, plug. Plug. Go check it out. <laughs> so this is all just a funny conversation, but there is something actually kind of to it. Um, and I'm just thinking of this now that like boundaries are are pretty powerful, right? When you're making stuff and when you have a shop and when you, when you have no boundaries, it's kind of hard to be creative. And it's kind of hard to come up with this. I mean, think about all the stupid stuff that we just said, like all the dumb ideas that we just came up with that we wouldn't have come up if we hadn't, put some boundaries on being on an island with tools, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people ask me about having a small shop and like, you know, what they can do to fit or like, or what the limitations are of having a small shop. And I think maybe people are, are hesitant to realize that having a small shop or having limited tools or whatever can actually be a, a pretty big benefit. Mm-hmm. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I've always, said that limitation breeds creativity and if you have too many options you just get overwhelmed with options and then you don't do anything at all and no matter what what you're doing if it's woodworking or music or photography you it's like i always go back to photography because it's like a really simple thing that you can do like when we go out on photography walks you can take a whole bag of lenses but you're going to be the guy changing your lenses or not knowing what lens to use to capture <laughs> yeah. something. Or you can be the guy that has like the fixed lens on there, the prime lens, and doesn't have the options. And he's taking the he or she's taking the best photos out of anybody because yeah. they're focused on what is in front of them and not the tools that they have. Yeah, right? that's a really great analogy. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I have lots and lots of tools, of course, in uh, – a lot of tools I have just a because I'm curious. B it's my hobby, and uh, also lately I, I'm trying to just uh, I'm always trying to spice up a video. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me buy a metal folder for a few hundred dollars. It helped me through this job, but it'll also look good in some other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's also an, a motivating factor now is trying to find you know cool tools for to videotape. But um, there are, there's still a lot of tools I would want to have. Uh, you know, uh, I, I still I. I have in storage. I just don't, don't have, have room for right now. Uh, you know, a planer. You know, to to, to do uh, a joiner, uh, and I have a twenty-inch wide, uh, really heavy, heavy, you know, surface planer that mm, uh, nice. you know you see in some of the, some of these. Other, I just don't have the room for it, and yeah. you know, so I can't carry it down my steps. I got to wait till I have my above-ground shop. You know, in the future, but um, the. Uh, the idea of having limited tools is is really does keep you creative. And the, and the most uh, often I get tested in that manner is I'll pack a bag and I have to go fix something on a location, and I get there and I have everything I need except for the one thing I need the most. Mm. And I'm like, mm, I can hop in the car and go to Home Depot buy it again, or I could just try and figure out how to make it work with what I have. And uh, that really, really, really is, um, you know. The best way to put yourself to the test is <laughs> try and make something happen without the one thing you're comfortable using the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it it's funny because uh, I was talking to a friend today and she's getting involved in a very big project and uh, 
And I, I remember something that we said when we did the failure episode. And uh, I, I think we all determined that failure is not an option. Uh, so no matter what it is, you gotta, you got to figure it out. So if you don't have that one tool, you just have to figure it out. You just figure out how to get it done. So, Just the limitation makes you a better creator, maker, mm-hmm. woodworker, metalworker, or, or whatever. Because it's probably the reason you got into this is just to get your, your, your brain turning and, and to figuring things out. And I've always thought woodworkers are great problem solvers because you always run into these things as a woodworker, I'm like, oh, I did not expect this. How do I how do I fix this? I screwed something up. How do I fix this? And that makes you creative. And it's the same way with tools. Like I don't have I don't have this new tool that everybody seems to have right now. Um, but how how can I get around that? You know. So I think one interesting way that people can figure that out too, which I've I've known this. I, I mean, I found this. <clears throat> I think um, when people buy. Uh, lumber from a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something like that, when that's your your only idea of what lumber is, then you think of what you can do with that lumber. Now, if you go to a lumber yard where things are rough, they're you know odd sizes, whatever, and you're going to have to take a big unfinished piece of wood and take it down to what you need it to be, it lends a different perspective on you know what the final product could be. You know, you're not limited to the dimensions that are sold at those stores. And so I think that's a simple way for somebody to do exactly what you're saying, you know, is to, to just see what other opportunities, if not problems, what other opportunities can come out of the shape of the raw material that you're starting with. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, and this just came to me, that limitation can actually define who you are as a creator, right? So, um, being an artist is such a a wide, broad term. But if you're a painter, that's still a broad term. But if you paint with only this type of like acrylic paints and you only work with these colors, that that defines your work and gives your work a style. And I've always, I hope someday when I'm older that I have a style that is recognizable. That is my goal in life is to have this recognizable thing that's that's a pachudo, right? And so <laughs> these limitations can actually help you get there because it forces you into this this narrow tunnel of, of doing things. So you use that to your advantage. So do you think as your as your career peru, per, excuse me as your career pursues that goal of having a, a specific style that's known that you're known for, do you feel like you need to put those limitations on yourself to get there? Or do you think that's just going to be like a condition of practice with? That's a, that's a good question. I think it's a little bit of both. I think I don't know what that style is and I don't know what that, that those final products are going to be yet. So um, right now I'm just using my limitations of my shop size and the tools that I have to build the things that I have. And hopefully that takes me down the right path. And then once I find the path that I'm like really enjoying, that is, that defines me, then I could probably get rid of some other tools that I don't have and just keep that, that arsenal, that, that narrow, um, just that, that, that narrow vision right there. You know, hmm. it's, it's, that's a, that's a tough question. Cause I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the final output is going to be. I don't know what my style is going to be, but um, it's like, you want to have, 
you want to have enough tools to be able to experiment, to be able to find that. Yeah. You know, you have to, you can't limit yourself at the beginning on purpose, maybe, because um, maybe you wouldn't be even introduced to a technique or to a style or to a tool that could end up defining you. So it's like you have to start broad and just narrow as you find things that, you know, yeah. work with yeah. you. Yeah. It's a different path for everybody. But yeah, definitely. Definitely. I tell my students often that if they have the urge to do something, they should pursue it. Don't try to, don't suppress that urge. Don't say, I don't have the money. I don't have the tools. I don't have this. I don't have that. Figure out a way to get that done. If the goal is to make a handbag, figure out how to make a handbag. Don't get stumbled up by saying, oh, I don't have a sewing machine. Because sewing machines exist. You're in the city where the sewing machines exist. Figure out how to get in front of one or get somebody that can get in front of one. So if you just keep plowing forward with your urges and you know your intentions to make things your style will begin to emerge it, it goes i'm just kind of reinforcing what you said a few minutes ago david it's just what if you come up with making a new handbag that doesn't involve a sewing machine you come up with a new method that all of a sudden is the hip mm. new style right that uh, exactly that's why i'm saying you can't you can't put these limitations on yourself saying oh i don't have a sewing machine you could get one as they're all around, but you know what? Maybe you figure out a way to make a handbag that's just all snaps or all mm-hmm. buttons or whatever. Yeah. Coconuts. Coconuts. Or coconuts. Yeah. Made out of coconut shells and bamboo shoots. Yeah. Bringing it <laughs> and back. Fish gills. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. Since we got back to coconuts, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Um, so before we go, I want to say thanks to uh, Nicholas Gomez, Luis Gonzalez, uh, Matthew Dickinson, and Rick Rhodes. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, they're awesome supporters on Patreon, as in as are all of our supporters on Patreon. Thank you, guys. Um, if you guys want to continue to help the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it, and um, that helps us out. And we really appreciate everybody there. You guys are really, really awesome. And there's exclusive Making It t-shirts that are actually really cool, and you can only get them by being a supporter on Patreon. So, go For the record, I don't even have a Making It t-shirt. I don't have one either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. They're in a box, but I don't <laughs> They're in a box. Have. so if you want one that's the way to get it so Jimmy and David you guys both have to support us on Patreon before you (laughs) I will do we'll do Um, yeah so thanks for being with us this week guys and um, we'll see you next time alright thanks guys thank you all